My guest today on the podcast is Isaac Jacob. He is the assistant video coordinator for the Sacramento Kings. So the NBA season is in the books. We're going to talk to Isaac about the Lakers and about his role with the Kings. Isaac is a Carson native who was a student manager for the CSUN men's basketball team, and he has parlayed that into an NBA career. We'll get into that on the latest edition of the podcast. All right, folks, new episode coming up. The NBA season is over, so we're going to talk a little NBA. We're going to kind of wrap it up for you. And I'm going to do my best to be objective, but i got to say, one of my favorite guys on here, he's like my little brother or my nephew. Um, I'm going to start off by explaining to you there has been one matador from CSUN to play in the NBA. His name was Paul McCracken, and I think he played about 50 games in the early 70s. This matador I'm going to introduce to you is in the NBA but in a different uh, matter, he is the uh, assistant video coordinator for the Sacramento Kings. Isaac Yekov joins us. Isaac, always great to talk to you, my friend. You know, now no disrespect, because I think Steph Hicks had two 10-day contracts. Yep. I know Darren Johnson was on the active roster, although he didn't play for the Sixers. I don't think Steph played either, but I think he suited up. But how does it feel to be the lone matador in the league right now? I know you're waiting for some of your brothers, though. Um, I'm definitely waiting for for my guys to get there but uh it's a, it's a blessing you know very fortunate to get here um so we'll get into it a little bit later your path that you took to it before we start though i want to send up thoughts and prayers to our friend aaron parks ap you know mm -hmm. lost his dad last week in, in a very tragic fashion and you know you and i both kind of got to know him over the years uh working over there at csun just one of the best guys one of the hardest workers a great teammate yeah. And just ferocious competitor. And obviously my, my prayers and thoughts are with his family right now in Baltimore. Yeah. Sending our love and condolences definitely to the Parks family. And you, and we know AP working with him, but, you know, his brothers will come in town a lot. His, to see their brotherhood, their connection, you can tell they're a very tight-knit family. So yeah, definitely mom, tragic. Mom and dad, too. Mom and dad got to meet mm -hmm. both of them. And it's just yeah. their terrific family from out there in Baltimore. Um, and, you know, we're hoping that things obviously – I mean, things aren't going well right now, but they're a strong group, and they'll you know bond, uh, bond together uh, over this tragedy. Um, so let's let's go with the uninteresting stuff first. Take me through a workday. So you're an assistant video coordinator for the Kings. What does that entail? Are you what are you doing? You get to the I mean, you know, obviously, let's throw the pandemic out before the pandemic. Yeah. You get to the office. You get on the court. What sorts of things are in the workday for Isaac Jacob? So I would say typical work day, let's say it's just a normal practice day, get into the facility 8 a.m. for 11 o'clock practice. And let's say I, I have coaches. I'm basically kind of support staff for the coaching staff. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting down with the coach. He's giving me clips. We have interns that code. Like let's say we play the Golden State Warriors on Friday. Mm -hmm. So Thursday we come in. I have interns code. Golden State's previous five matchups. And they code that game, give it to me. I watch it. I give it to the coach who scouted it is. Let's say it's Bobby Jackson's. And he's watching them pulling clips. I'm watching pulling clips. And we're just trying to, me and Bobby are working together hand in hand, trying to decipher what do Golden State do good at, bad at? How can we win? How can we stop this play that they run? 
and we're kind of getting a game plan together, preparing, uh, prepping for that. Um, then get down to the court, you know, 9 a.m., work guys out pre-practice. Guys are getting shots, you know, getting better maintenance work. Then we have practice, you know, 11 to 1, running the clock. You know, we have the filming. We have interns. I'm kind of directing them, go rebound here, go do this. Um, kind of doing that, then practice. And after practice, that's kind of when the scouting process comes. So I'm kind of just how can we beat the Warriors, basically, working with Bobby Jackson. And we put a tape together. So the next day, so we have shoot around in the morning. We present like an AM tape, which is a shoot around tape, which is like what are their top sets, you know, which is let's say they run delay and a couple other plays. They run four key plays that we need to hone in to prevent them to running and executing against us. Then we uh, will go over those plays in shoot around. And in the evening of the game, like 30 minutes before tip off, we have a. Uh, uh, what's it called? You should like basically film again, but it's more personnel tape where it's Steph Curry. How does Steph Curry get his shots? How does he like to penetrate? How does Clay Thompson get his shots? How does he get open? He tends to turn it over. He's turnover prone. So let's be high active, things like that. Um, that's like a typical two day work day where it's like prep the day before for a game, game day. It's on to the next, you know, the NBA is a game every other night. So it's a nonstop grind the the coolest thing for me this year was showing up with csun to portland and there you guys are the sacramento kings are in portland staying at the same hotel no less and to kind of see your grind man to see i mean you're you know yeah you're smiling you're always smiling you're always at it be they got you working now, now what yeah. i want to ask you is how much did now you you're one of the you're one of the guys you had to work your way through the ranks which we'll get into but you talked about working with your interns how much easier does it make it for you that you've been an intern so now you kind of know, is it easier for you to kind of deal with the interns since you know, since you've done that job, you kind of have an expectation for what you expect when you ask them for stuff? 1,000%, you know, like I was very fortunate. I was an intern. We'll get into that later. But like for the Lakers, our, mm-hmm. our head video was Will Scott, who's currently head video with the Sacramento Kings. Uh-huh. And he, he's like, first things first, he teaches, teaches, treats you, I'm sorry, good as a person, you know, forget the work. He's going to. I'm Isaac. I'm going to talk to Isaac first, then an intern after. So seeing that kind of changed my perspective where it's like they're people first. And, you know, and you know that because I was in that in in those shoes. But now, you know, just treat them well. We get the work done. Luckily, we had a good group um, this past season with the Kings. And it's all about just getting the work done and having fun. So I try to make it as fun as possible. What types of people are they people like you who come to intern for a video? Mm-hmm. So like exactly. Ex-players, ex-managers trying to get into the game. Exactly. So this year we had two interns. One of them was an ex-player played in uh, for Brown. And we had an ex-player who played actually at UC Davis for the women's basketball team. So she was helping us out. She uh, she worked in the WNBA this summer leading into her internship. So she had a background in sports code and video work. But people like that. So, hey, so if you want to get into the game, two things. Learn sports code, right? Learn the program. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. on Twitter, at IY14, hit my guy Isaac up. And if the Kings need an intern, you never know. Bing, bang, boom, you're in Sacramento. You, you, never you're, know. Working for, you're working for the Kings now. But I know you grew up a rabid, well, first of all, Kobe Bryant fan and a Laker fan. Yeah. Take me through your feelings. Now, I know it's, I don't want to get you in trouble. So if you can't go into detail, that's fine. But – your, your your favorite team win their first title in 10 years. 
take me through the feelings as a fan, knowing the significance of this year, obviously with Kobe having passed in January. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, kind of mixed feelings because obviously, you know, you want the Kings to win, right? But, You're a king now. No, I get, we get that. You're a king yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but like you said, like I grew up a Laker fan, but, you know, the biggest Kobe fan you wouldn't see me. And, you know, tragic passing January 26th, and they dedicate the season to him. So, it's, you know, it's good to see that. Like, they dedicate it for him, and they want it for him. That's good. Um, you know, but I'm happy for the city, right? But, you yeah. know, yeah, missed right. out on a ring by six, eight months, so. That's that's true. That's interesting, because you yeah. were with them. We'll get, we'll get into that. Was Dad more of a Magic or a Kareem guy? Your pop, I know your pop's a big Laker fan, too. Yeah, magic. Definitely a Magic guy. And you got to meet him. You get to meet got Magic. It. He got Before to meet Magic. Were... Oh, yeah, I met him, yeah, exactly, at CSUN. And we had a family day when I was with the Lakers, and, and I was when my dad first met Magic. And it's so funny, like, my dad, like, you know, it's Rondo walking around, Lonzo Ball. My dad, like, you know, could care less. And then when Magic came and came over to us, he was just staring at Magic like a little kid. It was pretty funny <laughs> to see him like that. Uh, that's, you know, it's funny. I hadn't seen you for a while when you were interning with the Lakers. I remember the joke I said. I texted you and I said, "Hey Isaac, you get to call him Irvin," and you texted me back and said, "No, no, no, I call him Magic." So, um, Magic. Were the Kings in the bubble this year? Were you in the bubble with the team? I was not. The Kings were. Okay. You know, we only had what thirty-five people, I think, and you had to take like a security guy and media guy. So they, I did not go. Um, I was still in SAC working from afar from the facility. Yeah. All right, let's get into the background. Um, Carson, your Carson guy, Harvard Prep. And yep. I've seen your video. You can get some. You get some buckets at Harbor Prep. <laughs> I that, that was a long time ago. You know, uh, hair was a little hair was a little different. Had the flat top senior year. Yep. Okay. So so this is this is useful to people. So you you're a high school basketball player, and you know you're probably not going to play college. I think you probably you could have. You said you could play JUCO or something or D three or something like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. okay. What goes into your decision, first of all, to go to CSUN? And had you decided you're going to work as a manager before you got to school? Or is that a decision you make once you get there? Well, like you said, like, you know, I played high school, had some D3s and JUCOs, but nothing really was legit. So I was like, you know, what, let me just go to school for school and see what happens. I'll try to walk on or whatnot. And I actually saw a flyer. I was in contact with Jay Morris, right? Remember, you know, Coach Morris. Uh, yeah, he's with San Diego State now. Yep, yep. So he was saying, like, oh, we might not have workouts or tryouts this year, but he could be a manager maybe. And he told me this in the summer going into school, and I'm like, ah, I think nothing of it. And I ended up seeing a flyer saying contact Jeff Catamore, another former coach at CSUN, right. uh, to be a manager. And I was like, you know what, let's, uh, let's look into that. You know, let's just do it for a year, feel it out, see how it goes. And then once I got in, I'll never forget, it was winter break my freshman year. And I was a manager of the off, you know, off whatever that first semester of college. And I was back home and I saw one of my former teammates in high school, his grandpa at the gas station. And he saw me. He's like, hey, what you doing now? Where are you playing? Where are you playing basketball at? Just assumed I was playing somewhere. And I was like, ah, like I kind of like shunned away. Like, oh, I'm actually a manager right now. Cal State Northridge. And I was kind of embarrassed to say it. And he was like, oh, oh, you're smart. I was like, what? Oh, you're smart. You weren't going to make it to the NBA. You know what you're doing. Like, this is- <laughs> and that's when it kind of changed my outlook on it. Like, he's right, right? Not a lot of 5'9 guys in the NBA right now. <laughs> uh, 
So kind of that's that. I feel like that conversation with him kind of changed my outlook on. Maybe it's not a bad thing, you know. It opened up my eyes to different avenues you can work in basketball, you know, than playing. Well, I'll tell you this. I I believe that if you're a manager for a Division One team, a basketball manager, I, I don't have any experience with football. My only experience with basketball. You guys are such great hard workers. You mentioned Jeff Cadamer, who I met while he was a manager as well. He's doing his thing up in the uh, up in the Bay Area now, and you guys get so much responsibility. And there's so much expected of you, you know, and I'm on these road trips with you and I'm like, wow, that's a lot of, you know, you're responsible for a lot of stuff as an 18 year old kid. I remember you're an 18 year old kid. We're on the road. It was the San Diego State Arizona trip. And that was, you know, the whole controversy with the academically ineligible players. And so we got eight guys and man, they are running you guys because they need you to do a lot of stuff. And just, uh, you know. So CSUN isn't like a Duke or a North Carolina or a Kansas or even a UCLA when they have 12 managers at their disposal. You know, you may have three or four guys to work with. And when I work with you, you and Mike and Julian and Steven, I mean, you guys, you guys actually had a good crew, you know, and I was spoiled. because I, I thought it all worked this way. It doesn't always work that way. Um, so I give you credit and I always give love to the managers because, you know, you're working for free. And people don't understand how hard you guys work. You're going to school. You're like, you were you were working a job, going to school, and doing this. A couple of you guys were doing that. And I, I just I had so much admiration for the work ethic that you guys, you know, all you guys, you know, Stephen, yeah. Michael, Julian, like all the guys I came across, uh, you know, Clay, those guys, how you guys really held it together. Yeah. Well, at first, I appreciate those kind words, you know, but. Yeah, it was a grind. Like, I remember that San Diego trip. That was my first trip. I was actually 17, turned 18 on that trip. <laughs> uh, but that's, you know, you, you have a, a Division One, I have the same schedule as a basketball team, you know, except I don't play. I just sit on the sideline or I help out, support them. But, yeah, it's, it's it gives you a lot of responsibilities. You got to learn how to manage your time. But it was good. You learned a lot. A story I remember, I want to say we were in Tucson. And it was your job to count everybody up. And I remember you counted everybody up, but you forgot Jordan. Jordan Jackson, who's now at Grand Canyon, he was one of our uh, uh, strength training interns at the time. And he since has gone on. He's worked at UCLA, Cal, and now he's at Grand Canyon. And Jordan is not only a good uh, fitness coach, he's a great guy. And all of a sudden, we see this guy sprinting to the bus. And, of course, my guy, Alan Zinsmeister, also a Carson guy, showed, puts his arm around you and says, hey, you know, he, he was he was motivating. You know, he was co- yeah. he turned into Coach Z at that point. I was like, yeah. hey, Isaac, and, and, and I think you took the the, the advice uh, because you were really after that you were on it. And by year two, you were the man because you understood the dedication yeah. to detail that it requires. I'll never forget what he told me. He put his arm around me <laughs> and said, Isaac, you know, you counted the players. It was great. But to separate yourself, you should count the players and the staff. And I was like, all right, done, done. Lock it in. Yeah. <laughs> and I forgot, I got to shout out Jeff Schraga, too, who was on that, who was on the, the staff that year. He came yeah, over for yeah. Seton Hall and uh, he helped you out. All right. So you're at CSUN. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with the then coach, Reggie Theus. You and him had kind of a special relationship. Yeah, that's my that's my guy. Shout out to Coach Theus. Actually, his birthday today. I just Happy birthday, him. Reggie Theus. Happy birthday. Uh, yeah, I, I had a pretty good relationship with Coach. He was treated me good you know we used to have our little pre-practice shooting shootouts 
a lot of memorable battles. You know, I got a couple W's. I left sometimes in practice with some wins under my belt, which I felt good taking to the, the rec center. Um, but yeah, you know, great guy. You know, I wish it ended. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm saying, did you have any idea of his gravitas as, a, as an NBA player when you got there? Because obviously he's a, he's before your time a little bit. Yeah, I, I knew, you know, Ali's like an L.A. legend. So I understood what he was in basketball and what he still was, you know, coaching and whatnot and what he's done. So I understood it. I had a pretty, you know, at the time, you know, 17, 18 years old, freshman year. And he's like, come here. He used to call me lunch meat. Come here, lunch meat. Whenever I need a win, I just come shoot with you down on this end. We used to shoot it out. But <laughs> and you got a couple funny. W's off him, huh? I got a couple. You 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 witnessed a couple. I UCLA, witnessed UCLA, Santa Barbara. You know. Um. So. Now, now, obviously, unfortunately, for whatever reason, the the team didn't have a lot of success like on the court while you were there. Um. But obviously, you also developed some bonds with a bunch of the players there, and there were some good guys. You know, there. I mean, great players, but there were some really good guys also that kind of yeah. came through in that four year. And you were, you were kind of alluding it to earlier for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. You know, the, the stars didn't align, but the talent was certainly there. Uh, give me a couple of memories from some of the guys. I know you and, I mean, we talked about AP already, but I know you and you and Maxwell and, uh, and, and Hicks were, were also pretty close. Yeah. Hicks. Those are the, my, my vets when I was a freshman. Uh, yeah, they were, they were really good to me. They kind of just took me in. Like I remember when I got there and I was like, you know, Never left my home, you know, I'm an hour away, which is still close to LA, but living on my own. And they kind of just were like, hey, like, let's go eat lunch. Let's go, let's go to the gym. Like, I remember the most memorable stuff was after the season ended when they had free time and we had no more practice for a couple of weeks. And we used to go to the rec center and just play pickup with like all the students. And it's like me and mind you, I'm, I've been playing pickup all year with them, right? Then I'm just like walking in with like Steph Hicks and Maxwell, like the two best matadors ever, right? right. Like, oh, I got three. We only need two people. You know, everyone wants to play with us. Oh, you and you, let's go. Just run and run and run the gym the whole night. You know, and that, those so were like wheeling, the memorable. You're willing to deal it even back then. Oh yeah, oh. it was it was fun, a lot of fun. What were some of the uh the, the memories from that that's tenure? Do you have you, if you could pick out a couple of memories that you have from your time, I'm sure you have stories to go. You're going to write a book one day, but give me a couple of the memories from your time as, as a manager. I would say there had to be some cool trips, right? Some great trips. I was going to say that like Cancun was awesome. Like, you know, never experiencing something like that, like an all inclusive resort, you know, and that was like my senior year. And, and it was like, you know, Mikey, Michael Warren and Tavion Dotson. Right. I think we're the only four from like our class that stayed all, all only three. I'm sorry. That went all four years, you know? So we had a good bond and we still keep in contact. And that was really fun just to, you know, we're just hanging out playing 2k to four in the morning, five in the morning room service, 24 seven. Like I felt like, uh, what's the name? Calvin Cambridge from like Mike, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like, you don't know what to do. It's so nice, you know, but you know, I never thought of it. It's like there's this it's like this ride, right? You're on this amusement park ride and you're like, man, am I, am I really here? Yeah. It was, it was some great memories. What else? Like, I mean, just spending time like the dinners, you know, like even like with you and like Z and everyone, Julian, and Michael, like it's a grind. But when you look back at it, you just see only good thoughts and good memories. It's, it's fun. I tell whenever somebody asks me, like a young guy trying to get into it, I tell him, 
I tell them, or to women, women too, I say, you know, you need get to know the managers, get to know the, the strength staff, get to know the, the athletic training staff, because that's, they're all, you know, part of that family. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just, you know, obviously it's good to have people trust you, but also you get an idea of the team dynamic. I mean, I always tell people, you really want to know about a coach, ask the student managers. They'll tell you about, I mean, not, you know, they won't speak out of turn, but you'll know what that coach's relationship with that team, if you, you know, by gauging what the, what the managers have said. Um, I want to, before, I want to move on to your opportunity with the Lakers, but I really want to talk about, uh, so Steve Greck is director of sports medicine for CSUN, and it yeah. was through him that you got the opportunity, which we'll get into, but explain the relationship between the managers and the the sports medicine athletic training staff because it's really important because all you guys i know steve really mentored all you guys yeah like especially like you said at csun where it's not duke and you know whatever kentucky it's it's like this it's steve is one medical guy and the managers are kind of working right directly under him just as much as the coaches where we can just be extra hands and helping them out but steve he just kind of taught me like professionalism, you know, just getting the job done first and being reliable and dependent. That's the one thing he, Steve wanted. It's like, if I tell, you know, he told you something to do, you get it done. You're good in his book, you know, cause you, you handled your business, your business and your job. So and it was, interesting. It was awesome. in the tenure you were there, there were four, there were three directors of basketball operations that you work for. Cause Jeff was there the first year, kind of an interim basis. Then Vicky had the one year in between. And then you worked for Scott the last two years. And that's technically who you're under. And mm-hmm. I, I'll remember it was after Mike and Julian left, I, I, I bumped into Scott. And Scott looked like he was white as a ghost. He looked like he hadn't slept in three days. And I said, what happened? It's like, oh, you know, we were up, you know, putting the locker room together for this, that, and the other. I'm like, really? That, that falls upon you? And he goes, yeah, well, you don't have Mike and Julian anymore. Um, that's what happens, you know. And I think you were there, but at that point you were splitting mm-hmm. with the Lakers anyway. Uh, so that I, I found that to be really interesting. Like you were talking about, it's not a you know a, a Pac-12 or a SEC or an ACC program. You're a Big West program, so you got to do more. You got to do more with less. So all right, now this is what the part everybody's waiting for, right? So everybody's paid the big money for this. Um, your relationship with Steve opens up the door to the Lakers. Explain to me, and then I think Mike and Julian were involved too. Explain to me how that how that came about. So it was a uh, crazy luck coincidence whatever you want to call it but as you know heather mao who was the head athletic trainer for the women's basketball team she ended up leaving csun and going to work for the at the time la defenders now south bay lakers um so she left to take that job and she kind of called steve greck was like hey is there anyone any managers that you know of that would want to come be like a team attendant which is like a ball boy for the g league team and i knew her but i didn't really know her like that in terms of like you know what she would bring me along with her you know it was more of like a hi hi how you doing keep it moving type of deal but steve like was like oh i got three managers mike julian isaac you know all three so it's kind of like word of mouth you never know that's why i like telling a lot of people that ask me how to get in like you never know who's watching or looking or appreciating your work you just because you're so focused head down just doing your job you never know who's looking um, and I have a story to vouch for that, but I'll get to that later. So then she um, takes all three of us as a ball boy, basically, for the G League team, which was the 2017-18, oh, no, 16-17, I'm sorry, a year after Kobe retired. Uh, yeah, got that. 
that's how that's basically how I got my foot in the door. My mindset getting it was like, hey, you know, you never know who can meet. You're already on payroll. It could be an easier transition for something bigger than just that. So at that point, though, you're not really thinking. You're not really thinking about working for the Lakers. You're just kind of, hey, this is what's in front of me. I'm finishing school. It's a cool yeah. little thing for me to be able to do while I'm still in school. And, and, they, exactly. and they pay, they're not. They're, they're not paying you, right? No, uh, I mean it was like a part-time job. You know, basically okay. only working game days. Like literally, you know, the G League season is about 40 games. 20 of them are home, so it's like literally 20 days of work. You know, which is nothing. But I remember I took that and I took it as like, I remember I was telling like, you know, my dad is like big on academics. I'm like, oh, I'm taking a job with the Lakers. And I'm like, I'm just going to do it. You never know who, you know, you never know. Just let's do it. But in my mind, I'm thinking, sheesh, I'm going to work for the Lakers. Heck yeah. You know, just just to do it. Right. And I'll never forget. I, I worked that last uh, that season with the G League team, worked hard, just was, you know, doing nothing game days. And then they noticed, like, I was there every game. Then they said, hey, we want to come bring you back next year. But as as both the Los Angeles Lakers and the South Bay Lakers, which is now my senior year of college. And I remember doing that. And I remember going into the summer, Kobe Carl, who's the head coach for the South, uh, South Bay Lakers, he took a liking to me. We had a good relationship. Like, like, they invited me for tryouts where, like, you know, team attendants weren't going to. I was helping out, like, you know, prep the same similar deal, towels. Um, doing the shot clock, doing the clock, because they knew I was a manager in college. And then I got the opportunity to do it for both the big the NBA team and the G League team my senior year. And that was – now we, we, And we've talked about this. So I think what helped you at CSUN also helped you with the Lakers in that kind of like your personality kind of was allowed to flow. And now I'm guessing that you learned a little bit like with working with a team, there's things you need to learn. How much did the dynamic at CSUN help you navigate when you got to the with the defenders? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, you know, my whole foundation was CSUN. You know, that's everything I learned in working in basketball came from CSUN. So things that I, that were, like, natural to me, like, you know, quick but not in a hurry, just, like, getting things ready and wipe, you know, little, like, I remember the joke, like, people were like, oh, you see sweat on the floor. I see an opportunity. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, little things like that. So it, it shaped me and just things that, you know, we did, me and Mike and Julian did for three years every day. Now I'm doing it at another level, and they're recognizing it. So I felt like that kind of made me stand out maybe, yeah, I guess. And shout out Mike and Julian, both are doing well. I, I saw Mike, he was with the on the Portland trip, so that was pretty cool to be able to connect with him and a couple of great guys who I thought did a great job at CSUN. Oh, yeah. They're, still talk to them to this day. Those are my guys. And that's what's great, right? And that's what's great because if you were to play, you know, those are your brothers for life. And these guys are kind of your brothers for life because you were, you were in it 24-7 with them for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I just remember the first time I, from the first time I met Mike to the time he graduated, you know, like – and you too – just the amount of growth you guys went through and just the amount of fun you guys had together. It was fantastic. Yeah. It was, it was a great ride. All right. So how about this? So tell me about the day that you get the job with the Lakers. You mentioned already lifetime, lifelong Laker fan. Now you're working for them. So it's kind of the best of both worlds when they come and invite you. And it was video stuff they needed you to do, correct? Yeah. So uh, let me finish this. Like I did the ball boy thing the following year for both the G League team and the NBA team. 
And the whole time now it's my senior year of college. So now I'm thinking, okay, CSUN is going to be over, you know, in a couple, what, a couple months, it's time to view, like, look at what's coming next. And I remember, uh, I was talking to basically every coach, every team that came in the visiting team, talking to their video coordinator saying, Hey, like I'm a team attendant now, but I'm also a senior, like a senior at Cal State Northridge. I'd help video. I have a foundation sports code, you know, I graduate next year. If there's any opportunity, like, please let me know, you know, I'll get their email contact info, kind of just networking. Um, and I remember, I'll I never forget the, the guy with the Portland Trailblazers told me like, oh, like, yeah, take my number down. Let me know if you need anything. But your best chance is to stay with the Lakers. They see you work. Like, how am I going to hire you? I have no relationship with you. But here with the Lakers, they've seen you for every day, whatever, whatever, you know, try to focus there. And I remember I kind of said, yeah, he's kind of right, you know. And then at, at that point, I, I knew Will Scott a little bit, who was the head video coordinator with the Lakers. And they had a coaching associate internship going on, which is basically video interns. So I was working with the video interns, like rebound and pregame and whatnot. So I knew the position was there. And then, like you said, I just try to, you know, and a motto I try to tell people is like, try to work hard and be likable, low maintenance, you know. And people will recognize that and say, like, I want to work with you. Like now when I'm looking for interns, like my logic is I can teach anyone video. Like if you sat with me for 15 minutes, I'll teach you a solid enough video to get by. You know, it's just about wanting to every day I'm going to deal with you, you know, and I'm going to work with you. And that's that's the thing where I'm kind of looking for, like a good person. So I was trying to just be, you know, try to be me, just trying to do my job. And luckily I met Will. And Will, like, trusted me. He had me come along. He brought me along as a, like, all summer. Basically, I was, like, a tryout to be an intern. And I was helping out with all summer uh, workouts, pre-draft workouts. And then basically the day they left for summer league, he told me, like, hey, I want to tell you, you did a great job. You killed it all summer. And we have the last internship spot for you. And I remember at that time, I was like, oh, the biggest sigh of relief, you know, so I was so excited, like, and, and that day, I think that day they announced we signed LeBron, you know, so that was like, it was like, it was crazy, you know, like, wow, I'm going to work with LeBron James next year. This is nuts. But it was, it was Uh, a happy day. Definitely happy day. That's a big day for you. That's a, you always remember that day, huh? That's great. How much video had you done at CSUN? Had you done a lot? Had they, do they have the managers do a lot of video? A little bit. John Van Hooten, who was the video coordinator my last year, uh, he, he gave me a foundation like where I help him out, just clip things and just almost like the leg work for him to make his job easier. Uh, but I mean, that it was a foundation that I needed where I, I could have, you know, I just took that and that's all I needed, really, because in the NBA, they'll teach you so much more and so much other things we're doing. Are they, are they yeah. using the same, the same software and uh, at CSUN as they do in the NBA? Mm-hmm. Sports code, that's our main thing, so yeah. All right, so you know we hear a lot about um, you know Eric Spolstra was a video guy. Jeff Van Gundy was a video guy. You know, All these coaches now come from the video room, from the video side, and I think part of it is because the video guys, like you're saying, you work very closely with the coaches. The coaches need information from you, 
and you need to present that information. Like, it's not like you can tell you know, Luke Walton, oh, yeah, Luke, I'll get that to you tomorrow. He needs it now. He needs it when he needs it. But yeah. what I want to hear from you is now you've been in the league a couple years. How does video actually affect the game? How does what you communicate to your coaches, to your scouts, and to your players, how is it? Has it changed the game, the, the reliance on video a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Like you said, you know, all these coaches now, if they didn't play in the NBA, they were a video guy, you know, pretty much. So they rely on it heavy. It, it kind of just makes everything flow where, like, if a coach is just telling a player, hey, we need to do this, you know, it doesn't hit the, hit the point home. But if we say, hey, we need to do this because, look, you know, here on film, this team did it and it worked. And this team didn't do it and they scored, right? It's kind of like proof in the pudding that you can sit and show the players like this is why we're this is where we're getting it from. And so that works hand in hand where I'm giving like, you know, this a clip I'm pulling, the coach presents and it's getting shown to De'Aaron Fox or LeBron James or Ray John Rondo, you know. So it's it's a direct correlation. Uh what was it like working with LeBron? It was great. It was awesome. Like I tell you, like when I went to CSUN, I'll never forget I'm like, okay, these are division one players, like I mean, just do my work, stay out their way. And I remember they brought me in like a brother, right? And it was like just together. Got to the NBA, and there's a lot of young guys, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. We got to know each other personal level, and it was all good. We're good good friends. And I remember LeBron. I was like, okay, LeBron's the one guy I'm going to leave alone, right? I'm not going to you know, just leave him alone. I remember the first day he was there, I said, hey, how you doing? Like, my name's Isaac. You know, I'm happy to have you here. He's like, oh, nice to meet you, Isaac. LeBron, good to meet you. And I remember he left for two weeks. He, like, went to China for a tour, then went to go open up his school. I'm like, what kind of crazy? He just gone for two weeks. Let me just go to China, then open up a school, and I'll be back. And I'll never forget his his day, first day back after not seeing him for two weeks. He, like, walks in the building. He's like, yo, Isaac, can you pass me that ball? I'm like, what? <laughs> this dude, like, just how he operates, his memory and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, LeBron, okay, I'll give him the ball. And it, And I always like to tell people, like, you know, he's a I was a video intern who was like the lowest of the totem pole of the coaching staff. And he treated me great, you know, like where he we could sit down. He'll talk to me about basketball, what he sees and life experiences and treated me great. So where is his is his basketball IQ as ridiculous as everybody says it is? Yes, I'll say his thing. His like memory is crazy. Like He'll remember a story. You told him like a week, like I said, like my name, you know, he'd say, I, like I told him Isaac once, you know, it's LeBron James. You think he has a million things going on every day. Two, three weeks later, he just remembers walks in the gym. Yo, Isaac, can you pass me this? I'm like, you know, it's crazy. But his memory of like percentages and no, they struggle left wing. So I, I jabbed and left them open deliberately because we give up the corner three instead of the right wing three or something. Stuff like that. He just remembers. And it's like kind of, you know, surreal. Or like, what? Like, what the heck? Did yeah. you find that going from CSUN to LA, obviously, did that did that pump up your your IQ as well? Do you now you obviously view the game differently now because you're doing all this video work? Yeah, like just think about how much more basketball I watch now than I did at CSUN. Like when I was at CSUN, I was watching our games and Laker games, really, right? <laughs> but now I'm watching, you know, I'm scouting, I'm scouting. 
I'm watching the five Warrior games leading up to our game. Then right after we play them, I'm on to the Timberwolves, and I'm watching all the Timberwolves games. And you learn so much around the league and different coaches, how they operate. And, I mean, that film that you watch is, like, invaluable. You know, you can't measure that at all. So, so you were the video intern for the Lakers for a year. And that, Luke was the head coach, right? With yes, the Lakers sir. When you were there with him. Uh Describe for me what was that working year like? Obviously, the team obviously wasn't as good as they are, you know, in the last couple of years, but or this year for sure. Take me through that year for you. Um, how was it? First of all, I mean, you're working for the team you grew up rooting for, but also, what about your growth? What are some of the things that you learned? What are some of the ups and downs you went with that first year as an intern? Yeah, I was. Uh, I learned a lot, and and I always appreciated that role because the coaching associate role where we did everything from where I'm cutting film that the players will see at the game that night. And I'm also wiping the sweat when they fall. So it was such a broad range of duties where you did a little bit of everything. Um, and that, and that experience is invaluable because some places there's like, Hey, you just court and rebound. And some are like, Hey, you come do film and do nothing else. But with the Lakers, we did, a, I did a lot of different things where I can learn and touch different things. Um, but well, I'm sorry. What was the original question? I forgot. Just, I was going with you mean, give me, give me your year. I mean, so I'll yeah, ask you, year. uh, well, yeah. what was Rob Blanca like to deal with? Have you, have you ever worked with him directly? Yeah. Uh, not directly more like he would just come by. Like when we were working people out in the morning, like in the mornings, he'll come down, kind of hang out, talk shop with us. But I mean, he, he treated me great. Uh, magic, you know, was there that year and he, he really treated me good. Like I remember, I kind of helped out the South Bay Lakers because remember I came from the G league as a ball boy initially. So once I got the internship, I said, Hey, you know, I would love to help out the G league team as much as possible. As long as it doesn't conflict with my Lakers schedule. And Kobe Carl was awesome. You know, Heather was still there. They brought me along. They let me sit behind the the bench during games. I was in coaches meetings, just trying to soak up as much as I can from the internship. Um, Learned a lot, you know, from them. And I remember Magic, like, one day, like, walked by, like, called me in his office. And, like, the Lakers are on a road trip. And he was like, I see you working with the, the G League team just helping out, huh? I'm like, yeah, just trying to, you know, kind of fit in. It's like, good, good. I like that. Like, keep soaking that knowledge in. Good. Like, dab me up or hug me and, like, let me go. <laughs> you know, that that means a lot. Like, coming from the Magic Johnson, the president of basketball ops, to the lowest guy, right, a video intern. So stuff like that, you know, you can't measure how much that means to me now and help my growth into what I'm hopefully trying to become a basketball coach one day. Okay. So we we've had the dream, you know, we've had the kid living the dream. I mean, so you're in Disneyland now for a year. Mm -hmm. So let's move to the next step. So Luke Walton gets fired and the Lakers are cleaning house. What, what's going through your mind? How are you dealing with it? And take, you know, obviously that led to your departure. You're now with, with the Kings. Um, how did that work for you? Obviously, they don't fire the video intern, right? It's a year-long visit. <clears throat> so were you going to have to be looking for work anyway after that year ended? Yeah, so exactly. The internship was one year. Uh, and I kind of was hoping, you know, I, I put my all into the internship. So I, I, I don't know if it's... I'm delusional or what, but I was like, I, I felt comfortable and confident that I made enough relationships that I could come back as maybe assistant video for the G league team. Even if it's a, uh, like a aid role or whatever, 
just something to keep my key card working while I know when the new coaches come, then maybe I can, you know, get put on eventually. Um, but yeah, I, I was scared because once Luke left, like that, those coaches, I put the whole year in with them, you know, they know my work. These, these news got new guys don't. Um, but you know, I actually, I, it's crazy how it worked out because I remember Will Scott left with Luke, got a, you know, the head video over there. And I was still there working out players as an intern with no coach. They eventually hired Frank Vogel. Um, and we all had meetings with him and Frank was awesome about it. He was like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm hiring from the top down. I'm hired my lead assistant front bench behind the bench, player development coaches, scouts. I got to hire all these people first. Then I'll look at the interns. So he was like, with that being said, I highly suggest you guys look, look for gigs and whatnot. If you'd like any way I can help, let me know. But there's a chance maybe you can come back as an intern. And then by then, I already got the call from Will, who basically said, like, hey, talk to Luke. We're talking about assistant video. You were mentioned. Like, we would love to you come up with us. I'm like, wow, like my whole the whole process, I like didn't expect that. I don't know why I wasn't thinking like I had a chance to go up with them to sack. So it kind of blindsided me with that. And I was like super excited, like, wow. And I, I told Coach Vogel, I said, hey, you know, appreciate it. But I actually do have this on the table. Like they offered me a full time gig. Da, da, da. And then once he heard that, Frank just got up and shook my hand and dabbed me up and said, hey, you know what to do. He, he was a video guy, too. Right? Was Frank Vogel a video guy? He was. Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. So I mean, and he's now he's an NBA champion. Um, it, a little logistical thing. So people trying to get into the business. Um, the, for when you that the last after you got out of school, you're still able to live it with mom and dad and commute to work for the Lakers. That obviously yeah. helped you a lot in terms of expenses because as an intern, do you get paid at all for 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 the video stuff? Yeah, we we got paid. You know, and it's uh like we had a guy. We had a really good group. Actually, everyone was from afar except one. So I was obviously in Carson. Uh, Nathan Bubis, who's now assistant video for the New Orleans Pelicans. He is, he came from Boston, went to school, Boston college, flew out, got an apartment, lived out here. It's enough to maintain, you know, the, the money, whatever. Oh, good. Another okay. guy. Yeah. Another guy, former pro, he, he played basketball overseas and like, uh, China, Korea and all this Europe and whatnot. He came from, he played at university of Colorado. Now he's assistant video at, for the Detroit Pistons. Another guy, Gary Adams, now currently assistant video for the Charlotte Hornets. He came from North Carolina, went to school. He played at University of Miami. And then um, our last guy, Nick Griffin, who is assistant, like assistant coach slash video for the G League Pacers. He worked with Steph Hicks, actually, in mm-hmm. Fort Wayne, Mad Ants. Uh, and he's he went to UCLA, but he's from Minnesota. So we had a really good group where five for five, all interns left and got full-time gigs in the NBA. That's great. That's been pretty, so yeah. now, 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 now what's, is it just a financial difference? Like how big is the financial difference from, you know, your intern at Lakers and now you're up at Sacramento? Cause you know, I, I know baseball more than I know the NBA. And I know with baseball, particularly for these support jobs, for these staff jobs, there's certain organizations that really treat them well. And there's certain organizations that, I mean, they don't treat you badly, but they don't treat you as well as some of these other organizations. And I yeah. hear this trickle down. Um, obviously, the Lakers, they are kind of the filet mignon of, of NBA organizations. They're, if they're not the best, they're probably in the top two or three. Um, yeah. What's it like for a guy like yourself? I mean, you're an L.A. guy, first of all, but you're going from 
an organization that now has 17 championships to the Sacramento Kings who've been in like three different cities. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's definitely different, you know, small market team. But one thing I learned about SAC is the fans are, you know, the Lakers have the most fans all over the world and they're national, probably the biggest franchise in the world ever. But the fans in Sacramento, it's more like a college kind of feel where they're like die hard, like, you know, just going going to war and so hungry for success. They're starving, you know, for wins. And, and it's, it's pretty exciting because you can tell once they get winning, like once the fan base is there, the support is there. Once we start to win and become a playoff team, this, the city will erupt. And it's kind of exciting working towards that, you know. But, like, I mean, you're saying compensation-wise, like, you know, the internship with the Lakers was a, you know, part-time internship. Uh, it's like a, literally a part-time job, but now with Sacramento, full-time, you know, so on salary, full benefits, travel with the team every game. So it's exactly what was the next step, you know, to move on. Picking up an NBA ad for a kid from Carson. Um, yeah. uh, so, all right, uh, take me through. You're you're now working for Luke. You're now working for the Kings. You're now working for Will Scott and Vlade Divac, who – you know, another assist, right? Magic sends yeah. Isaac Jacob up to Vlade Divac in Sacramento. Another assist for Magic. <laughs> um, uh, you know, you're – forget the basketball stuff. You're a kid one year out of school. Proud graduate of CSUN, kinesiology. What up, what up? You know, the kinesiology yeah. department. Um, degree in hand. Yeah, there you go. I love it. I love the Under Armour stuff too you got. Um, yeah. Degree in hand, a year under your belt with the Lakers, you move up to Sacramento – kind of start the journey, start the chase. How's that first year working for uh, Luke? Now, are you working directly with Luke or you're working more directly with Will Scott? Well, Will Scott, it, we both are working with Luke. Um, but yeah, Will's like the head video. But uh, yeah, it's it's been, the year was amazing, you know, like obviously we didn't get where we wanted to in terms of making the playoffs and whatnot, but in terms of just working and like my first year in the league, fully in the league, I couldn't ask for anything better where, you know, travel is fun. Like we went to India this year, you know, for uh, games and it was, it was amazing, you know, seeing places I never saw, like never been to Miami, you know, just seeing family in Chicago. I would have, I would have not got a chance to see unless we played the Bulls. Um, But it was awesome. You know, obviously cut short with COVID and whatnot, but it was awesome. I enjoyed it. I mean, we're all dealing with it, Isaac. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, the COVID-19 crisis. So you're cruising along. It's your first year, full-time NBA employee. And then March rolls around and, and it was Gobert, test positive and everything changes. Um, how did you, where were you when you heard about it? How did you hear about it? And, and how, how did the team, like how did the franchise deal with it? Yeah, so that day was crazy. It was uh, March 11th, if I'm not mistaken. We played the Pelicans. Our first, our only national televised game on ESPN. So we're all getting ready for the game and we're seeing what's happening on TV. You know, like basically the OKC Utah game just got shut down right before tip. And then the the NBA comes out saying, you know, tomorrow. And we all expected that after tonight, tonight was the last day game with fans. And they were going to announce the following day, no more fans in NBA games. And we all expected that. And then they found out a player got sick. Then they said, hey, the season's shut down after tonight's games. So we're like, okay, we're going to be the last game. We used it as motivation. Tonight is the last game for who knows how long. Let's go out there, compete, play hard, put on a show, right? 
And it was a big game for the Pelicans where both were like tied, same seat, same uh, record. And then we run out for layup lines, and the Pelicans are nowhere to be found. So we're like, yo, what's going on? So Luke is like ready to walk out. We're doing layup lines. The team is coming back in. Luke is like, what's going on? Then they said the Pelicans won't come out to play. So Luke's like, okay, well, we were out there. So we win, right? It's forfeit. We win. He's trying to get a win. <laughs> Just shows the NBA grind. Do anything for a win. And then uh, then they came out and said, like, hey, you know what? We're, we're not going to play any more games tonight. Just shut down immediately. And I remember I called uh, I called Lonzo Ball. I said, man, where are you at? Man, we're ready to play. What's going on? And they already all showered or all changing back in the street clothes. And they said, like, their owner called hey, – Basically, the coach and said, I don't want any of my players going out there. It's a, it's a hazard, you know, safety first, which makes sense now. You know, at the time, we didn't understand the magnitude of what, what was going on, you know. Nobody it's, it's did. Nobody new did. and fresh. Yeah. yeah. And then what was it, four or five months later, boom, we got the bubble, which was awesome, right? Shout out to Adam Silver in the NBA. They Zero cases for three months. That's amazing. You know, the NBA really managed, they showed you can really manage this thing. And obviously you wouldn't want to be in this, any kind of long-term thing, but for what cards they were dealt, they actually, I felt played it really, really well. And they were just able to crown a champion in Orlando uh, this weekend, mm-hmm. much to, to, I mean, I, I, you're a king now, but I mean, I know deep down that, that lake or heart still be. Um, but during the playoffs, you know, obviously there are a lot of stuff that went on, the George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter thing. Take me through that because now you're part you're part of the logo, Isaac, and mm-hmm. I think most of the country was pretty supportive. But there were a lot of people who were you know vocally critical of the NBA and kind of how they dealt with specifically of your guy LeBron James, how he was dealing with it. And um, you know, I I always like people say that about football and basketball. Oh, I'm not watching again. And all these people who are never going to watch the NBA again seem to have a whole lot to say about LeBron James and what he's saying. So I never yeah. believed that people say that. Um, but, I mean, you're there, you know, being with around these guys day in, day out. You mentioned Lonzo and LeBron, guys that, you know, you know, and obviously with the Kings this year. Uh, with, from your perspective, take me through that. You're an L.A. kid. You're not, you know, you, these are things that you kind of grew up w- with as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's they have the platform and they have the right to use their platform. Like, like, you know, LeBron's thing, whatever, like they say, shut up and dribble. Like, why are you going to put them in a box and say, you know, we don't want you to do anything but play basketball to entertain us. Like, no, he has a platform. He has, he has the ability to touch millions of people with one tweet or one interview or one, you know, that's why I thought I I knew the whole, from the jump, I thought it would be good to play because if we play, we can utilize the platform, you know, like a prime example, like Doc Rivers had that that deep speech, right? I don't know if you remember it. That was a Tuesday night. I remember I was telling a buddy of mine. That was a Tuesday night, a random Tuesday night, where he has a deep, deep speech, and it touches touched me, touches the lives of hundreds of thousands of young black men in America, the whole world. And on a Tuesday night, if we w- weren't playing, Doc Rivers doesn't have that platform. You know what I mean? So, you know, I thought the NBA did a great job with utilizing the platform, bringing it to the front of the front of the stage and you know just peacefully protesting they're not trying to do anything you know negative trying yeah, to help the situation I mean, I, and i just think you know when when the boat when the bucks did decided not to play because obviously mm-hmm. what happened in in kenosha um mm-hmm. the thought you know everybody has something to say right but you know what though there's sometimes i think where you just need to listen 
And, yeah. and I think that's what I appreciated. You know, I don't need to necessarily, you know, I, I, experiences, everybody's experience is different. But for me to, at the very least, the minimum I can do is to shut up for 15 minutes and listen to this guy's experience or another guy's experience uh, and, and, and have them explain it to me because I, I'm not going to get that anywhere else walking around, you know, walking around um, and whatever, whether it's somebody who plays in the NBA or somebody who, uh, you live, you know, is living in, in Kenosha at the time this stuff's going down, it's worth your time, no matter where you stand politically to just listen and, and, and have an open mm-hmm. ear to it. Um, but man, you, what a first year you had in the NBA between everything yeah. that went on. Um, yeah. uh, you mentioned Lonzo. Uh, so tell me, I mean, cause you got to know him obviously with, with, with when you're with the Lakers, um, you think ultimately he'll have long-term success in the NBA? Oh yeah, I think so. I think he's going to be real good. I think his feel for the game can't be taught. You know, you just have it or you don't. And I think he has it, you know, and his shot, like you saw a shot this year. I mean, I remember going to a scouting report that that March 11th game, he was shooting his last like eight games, 45% from three with like over yeah. six attempts. And it's like, what? Like that was the one thing we Listen, relied on. Not make shots. You don't have to send, you don't have to sell me on, on Lonzo, but I remember that CSUN game where CSUN is actually up at the half. They're up four. All of a sudden, uh, was it Golamon and, and Lonzo ball decided yet yeah, we're not losing this game. And all of a sudden it was an eight point lead for UCLA. So I, 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 you know, and I remember, I forgot, I think it was Michael Warren I was talking to. And I said, you know, Mike's, Mike's, you know, his brother played big-time college basketball. He's a, he's mm-hmm. a D.C. kid. He played against some big-time talent. And he, yeah. he actually said, you know what, I think, I think Lonzo might be the best player I ever played against. And I, that's high praise. You know, Mike, Mike doesn't talk a whole lot. So no. for him to come out and say that, 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 was, I thought was, that was a pretty big endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> Let me, I, uh, I, talked about Lonzo, I talked to Lonzo about that actually one time. I told him, I said, we had you in the, in the Poly Pavilion. We had you. And he laughed it off and said, no, no, no. We had too much talent. Not, not a chance. <laughs> well, that was a pretty talented CSUN team, too, though, too. They, they yeah. could have had a couple of big wins that year. Um, so I, a couple of stories you told me. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embarrass you a little bit. We'll tell the crowd. So uh, give me a Jordan Clarkson story. That was your guy with the Lakers. They traded him. So now you guys are kind of plying your trade in different cities. Uh, why did you guys bond so much? And, and he's obviously a supremely talented player. I, yeah. I, unfortunate he didn't get his opportunity with the Lakers, but clearly he's gonna he's gonna be a big time NBA guy. Yeah, he's Jordan Clarkson. He uh, I don't know how do we. He was just a real cool guy. Like, and and the thing that I the he was the first NBA player where I understood like okay the NBA is different. Where he always told me pregame and at halftime he would have three possessions. He would say Isaac, come guard me for three possessions. I'm like, all right, cool. And I'm and I'm actually a ball boy at this point. And I would guard him, but the the bit like the combo of his speed, which we knew he's fast, but his strength. And you know me, I'm not like I'm a solid dude where I can hold my own weight up. And he was so strong and so fast. And I remember I was like, like what? Like how can you be that like both? You know, and he doesn't look like he's strong at all, but he has like that dog in him where he'll just push you and hook you and come around you. And we used to always do that three possessions, uh, halftime and before the games. And I remember I told him one day, I saw him in Utah this past year after the game. And I went up, he's like, oh, you're in Sacramento now. And we like talked it up for a little bit. I told him, hey, it doesn't matter. You're in Utah, Cleveland, LA, Sacramento. I'm still going to get my one stop out the three. That's all I want, one stop. 
this and I think this goes back to your attendant days. Give me you, you had a great Chris Depp's Porzingis story too. Porzingis? Oh yes. <laughs> that was the first time <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember he asked me, he was like, Hey, can you take this bag to uh to the, the bus? I'm like, Oh yeah, I got you. And you know, it's a whole we have a whole truckload of equipment we're taking to the bus for them, so I just put it on the truck. They drive, they take it, they put it under there. And all I did was take three steps with it and put it down on to the cart, you know? And then I'm putting stuff, I'm putting things into the truck. And I remember he walks by and comes to me, he's like, oh, hey, thanks for my bag. I'm like, yeah, no problem. And I turn my back and he just hands me like a $100 bill. I'm like, what is this $100 bill for? Like, in my mind, I'm like, huh? I don't get it. And I remember one of the like veteran team attendants came up to me, he's like, no, this is how they do it in the NBA. They tip you and it's, they get per diem and it's da 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 whatever whatever. I, I, remember, I remember we ate good that night. Well, because the story you told me was because you're working for the Lakers, and yeah, yeah. so you were. This was the one game that you'd work for the you know the, the you know you need you need to service both teams. So yeah. you were like, hey, maybe I should work on the opponents because <laughs> you know the opponents yeah. are tipping you out. Maybe you should work on the opponents. That was the story yeah. I remember you telling. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I remember that. I was like, this is what. You, and no, the the veteran told me like this is what they do on this side. I'm like, this is what they you get this every night? Like what? <laughs> uh, and he had, yeah. he had what a great year until he got hurt. I mean he, he had a, him and him and Doncic were a nice little combination in Dallas. Uh, yeah. the other thing I remember, and I think you pro- I think you were still working with CSUN at the time. You're splitting your time. I remember <laughs> maybe you and Mikey were talking, maybe you and Greg were talking, and you were just marveling at how hard those guys play in the NBA. You know, yeah. and we always wonder, I mean, like as a kid, you know, I'm watching these great college guys who are, yeah. you know, all Americans at Kansas and Kentucky and Texas, and they go to the NBA and they can't last in the NBA. And yet you have these, you know, like John Starks, who, you know, played at four different schools in four different years, has a 10, 12 year NBA career. And I remember you saying, man, every time the ball goes up, they're balling as hard as they pop. And, you, you know, and listen, you, Division One, we, you know, you'd seen a bunch of top You'd seen Arizona, you'd seen UCLA, you'd seen San Diego State, you'd seen some really good Division One teams, but you were telling me there's nothing like it. In, yeah. like, there's nothing like the way they play in the NBA. Like getting being that close for the first time, that was the first thing that stood out. Because everyone's the best player. All, all of them are All-American, you know, but I just remember sitting there on the court and they're – but every like, – like, like you said, every possession was to live and die for. And you, you felt that, you know, being that close. And I remember I'll tell Mikey, I was like, Mikey, man, you can't take plays off, man. The next level, they're not taking a playoff. How are you still in touch with a lot of the CSUN guys? Do they, you know, like, so you were, you were like, the, you know, you said you're 17 year old manager starting, and now yeah. you're, you know, you're, 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 you're the video guy for the Kings. Do they, you know, do they kind of pick your brain about, hey, what about this? What about that? Yeah, I, I talked to Mikey a lot. Uh, Trey Hale Edmerson. My God, Trey. Uh, I talked to him a little bit, too. Uh, I thought Trey was a little underrated at CSUN. Like, his game, yeah. you know, they could have they used him this you, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You appreciate it. But, like, I, I would say, like, you know, Terrell, like, one of the younger guys, you know, I still talk to him a lot. You know, he's just translated. But, you know, he asked me for, like, some NBA balls to help him with the Drew League. You know, I helped him out and stuff. I still talk to Hoot a lot, Jan Van Hoot, John Van Hooten. Um, 
a lot of guys, you know, here and there through social media, it's pretty, pretty easy to stay in contact. Yeah, no, I mean, and John's fantastic. I mean, he works so hard, you know, to get that team together. There's so much on his plate, kind of like what, what you, what you were doing. But, yeah. um, it's funny, like, you know, where I knew where you'd made it was well, somebody reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, Isaac, right? I'm like, that's my guy, you know, and they, they wanted to get in for me. It was turned out that it wasn't, him, but they wanted to find out some stuff about the Kings. And I'm like, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think you'll be able to give me that info, but, um, you know, if you ever need to get a hold of something else, let me know. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it's just, it's, uh, I want to get to your goals in a minute, but let's, and I don't want to get you in trouble. I don't know if you're allowed to talk about this. Can we talk about the draft a little bit? I mean, what I know, sure, I guess. So you're, I mean, you're, you're, I'm not <laughs> yeah. asking you for any King secrets. This is for your opinion. Oh, so yeah. you, you know, Lamine a little bit, you've seen Lamine yeah. play. Yeah. Um, what, so what, I mean, cause obviously the NBA is a tough, tough league to get into. So, it, no slack on him, but uh, obviously it hurts him, right? He didn't play against the, the the first part of the season, and then obviously the pandemic, no summer league, no workout, no rookie camps, and whatever. Um, is is he? I, it looks to me. I mean, I've been watching the last few years. Seems to me he is the prototype of the guy that a Toronto or a Utah or a San, San Antonio or a Brooklyn will take a flyer on and try and develop. There's so many of those guys in the league now, you know, compared to 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said, I, I think this, I just wish the summer league, you know, was a, was going on where, cause no doubt Lamine has, will get on a summer league team. And then that's where he can really prove himself like, Hey, I'm legit, you know, and it's not even the summer league games. Maybe it's the summer league camp where they see it. Like, okay, this is something to invest in, but you know, Sometimes less is more. Maybe the more question marks is, you know, teams are like, it's more intriguing because they don't know. So I think I think I just saw a report a couple of days ago saying that they're, they're going to allow a couple in-person workouts. So hopefully he can get some of those and get in there. I mean, listen, I, I you know, I, my network isn't as vast as yours. I do know a couple of teams definitely have them on the radar, probably mm-hmm, as a second mm-hmm. round pick. And, you know. I was I talked to Coach Godfrey, who you know worked as a scout, so he's really confident that somebody will give Lamine a shot. Did you get a chance yeah. to watch him play at all? Yeah, I mean, you know, his my uh, his redshirt year was my senior year, so right. we actually a lot of the film when when they were going to film, me, Lamine, and Coach Jeff would work him out. Oh wow! And okay. I remember thinking like, and I was thinking like, man, he's a, I was saying he's a high major athlete. And I remember, like, in the Big West, like, he's going to be flying down the lanes. Like, he's going to be good for the Big West. I didn't expect 25 and 12, but, <laughs> but yeah. I knew he was going to be pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, honestly, he's been killed it. It's two years of CSUN. Put, put your NBA GM hat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to – so we're going to get a little serious here. Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah. I just see him – if he's the 12th or 13th guy on your roster – and he's a little, you know, he's a wire. I mean, forget the scoring for a second because we know yeah. that'll come. But he's yeah. there's a guy who can guard a couple of different positions. If you're paying, you know, low end of your roster, isn't doesn't that bring some value? It, it, particularly if you can develop him into yeah. you know, the, the 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 prototype I look at is Siakam. I look at a Pascal Siakam of Toronto, and that's yeah. kind of the trajectory I see for Lamine. Obviously, with his scoring prowess being such a bonus, and then the guys that I've seen from the Big West, you know. Uh, Alan Williams, uh, Orlando Johnson, um, uh, you know, Gabe Vincent was on a roster, was on the, uh, the Heat roster, um, mm-hmm. David Nwaba. I mean, I, I just see Lamine right, I mean, at, at the head of that class to go in forward. And, and the, like, and getting back to our previous conversation, 
I don't know how many times you got to see him live. Man, he plays hard. Man, yeah. he plays hard. His his motor is supreme. And like you said, David Nawaba, I mean, he, he isn't he Nawaba, but plus 15 points and plus he's 6'7", right? And, Nawaba, you know, and Nawaba. Hey, you're, you're the guy who works in the league, Isaac, not me. I don't work in the NBA. You do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all opportunity, all fit. I mean, I can see it that way, you know, going that way and. Him competing, I just, he just got to keep working, you know, skill set, because he's 6'7", he got to be able to put the ball down and make a play. But I'm Team right. Lamine, you know, see son of love. Yeah, yeah no, I know, I know you're there. Hey, get him up to – talk uh, – get in Joe Dumars here. Get him up to Sacco. I think he'd help you guys. Um, yeah, I just might have to. Let me put your, put your, put your Kings hat on now. Um, can the Kings make the playoffs next year? That's the goal. That's the goal before before the shutdown. You know, our last twenty games after the All Star break, we were thirteen and twenty, which was I think it's. I mean, thir- we won thirteen out of the twenty games. I'm sorry, and top five record. You know, we starting to click right when right when the shutdown happened, and then the bubble happened, and uh, we had a couple guys got COVID. They joined late, and Bagley gets hurt first first practice, doesn't play, so it was tough. Uh, but, I mean, we're working towards it, you know, every day, trying. I mean, so. I, I think the Kings could be a big sleeper next year. Yeah, um, I agree. What? Uh, so, it, does does Bill does 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 Bill ever show up? Uh, Bill Walton does he ever show up to practice? Do you ever see him around the facility, or do he and Luke kind of keep keep it uh, keep it separated? Uh, he he came, he joined us on the when we played the Knicks. He met us in New York, uh, and he came to a couple home games last year. And he's just awesome. Every time I see Bill, he's just you know. It's, he just like he's like a you know a myth. You just look at it like oh, that's Bill Walton, you know. Yeah. But he's yeah. A real cool guy, you know. Like you see where Luke gets his laid back personality from, you know. Right. right. Real real <laughs> cool good guys, you know. Um. Yeah. I was. I, I think. I think Bill Walton is a tremendous ambassador for basketball overall and the mm-hmm. NBA specifically. Mm-hmm. Um. So I was joking with you when I got when I was trying to get you to do this. I was joking with you, but um. And we've talked about this. Uh. Your goal, like when, I think when you started, you were thinking of yourself down the road more kind of in an executive capacity. But twice in this interview, you've mentioned wanting to coach. Mm-hmm. So where, where did that uh, – you're working with a lot of coaches. Uh, is that the ultimate goal to coach or, or, or do the executive thing or maybe a little bit of both? No, nah, coaching. Nah, I, I've always leaned towards coaching because I – yeah, may, I don't know. May, maybe I did I say that. I don't know. But coaching because I, I like – putting your hands on players, interacting with players every day and teamwork and, you know, trying to build and gel and come together like executive, you know, they're just like the mastermind putting things together, which, you know, you never know. I'm not going to put myself in a box, but I think I'm leaning towards coaching. Definitely staying in that realm. Yeah. Hey, video guys have had success in the NBA. Uh, you know, two video guys were in the NBA finals this year. So let's circle back to a discussion we had a little bit, and I'll I'll kind of give you the floor here. So the young guy who's 19 or 20, maybe he's a player, maybe he's not a player, maybe he's managing. Um, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. let's go, let's dial it back. 16, 17, 18 year old kid. Yeah. Uh, plays at you know whatever, uh, you know Rolling Hills or Brentwood. So they know they're not going to the NBA, but they want to get involved in college basketball and potentially pro basketball. Uh, give give a little bit, give give some pointers. How do they go about it? Uh, would you recommend managing at the D, you know managing a college team, and then how how would you go about it from there? Yeah, I would definitely say 
you know, first you, you got to love the game, right? Which I'm sure they do. And yeah, I think the best route, like if you're not a high, high major player that played college or played in the NBA, the best way to become a coach in the NBA is through the video room. And yeah, the, the best way get in the video room is become a manager because that kind of gives you the all purpose, all knowing foundation of doing everything to help in a basketball uh, program run. And, you know, you just got to get in contact with the dobo or the video guy, say, Hey, I want to work. And it, it might be free work. You know, it's going to be a grind, but it'll go pay off in the long haul. And I would say like, I have a good story. Like you never know, even if it's a D2, D3 program, you're helping out. You never know who's watching and who's looking. Or who would look out for you? Because I'll never forget, like, when I was an intern, one of my guy, Nathan Bubis, who's over there with the Pelicans now, he was, he used to sprint to every wet spot, right? Like when they were playing pickup in the summertime, somebody will fall and he would come from the other side of the gym, full sprint, lay out, wipe the floor, get up, right? And it was kind of like a running joke, like, oh, look at Nate. He's, you know, going crazy over wet spots. And I'll never forget, I was doing a shot clock one day. And then it was towards the end of summer and like Nate does his sprint again. And I'm kind of like chuckling at myself and I'll never forget. It was Rob Palinka, Magic Johnson, Luke Walton and Ryan West, Ryan, West, son of Jerry West, who's we used to be with the Lakers also. And Ryan West said, you know what? Who's been the MVP of this whole summer? That guy right there, that guy running to get every loose ball, every spilt water, every sweat, every fall, everything. That guy's been the MVP. And I was sitting there like, and they're right next to me. I'm doing a shot clock. I'm like, I'm over here making fun of this guy for the last two months. And the top four guys in the organization are recognizing his hard work. You know, and that made me like realize like you never, you truly never know who's watching, you know. So just always put your head down, work, net, network, you know, be nice, be likable. That's, that, that, I felt like that was my remedy. Got to be a little bit of luck, you know, like. How did Heather know to bring me to be a ball boy to even give me this opportunity, you know? So, mixture of all that, but that's that's my recipe, I guess. Long journey for you, man, and I, I'm happy to see it. I'm always happy for your success. Alan Z obviously sends his best as well, um, and always great to have you. And, you know, it, it's great to see everybody talks about the stories, but it's great to see it taking place for you knowing that you, you know, how much you love the NBA and how you really wanted to do it. And you made it happen. Here you are now, you're an NBA employee, the second matador in the league after Paul McCracken. And hopefully we'll get a couple more. I think Steph hopefully. will get a shot this year and I'm hoping Lamine gets an opportunity, uh, you know, on a club this year. Um, any, any last, uh, any last shout outs you want to give before we let you go. And again, I appreciate the time, Isaac. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to you. You know, you my guy, and I appreciate you for everything. I've seen you operate for the last eight years now, what it's been, you know, since my freshman year. And I appreciate our friendship, and I I appreciate putting – trying to put CISO on the map, trying to make CISO proud. Yeah. But, I mean, I I learned a lot from you, like professionalism, and you made it enjoyable to work at CISO. And, you know, you're the first media guy I probably ever knew in my life. You know, like where it's like, oh, it's yeah, he does, you know, play by play, but it's like one family, one group, one team. So yeah. it's it's been it's been a, it's been a hell of a ride. It's been fun so far. It's because I told you to have your steak medium rare, right? 
We, we, we didn't. That's actually Devontae. I remember Devontae. We're out. Yeah. We're out on the road, and Devontae's getting his steak. Uh, you know, well done. I'm like, dude, just try. If you're scared of medium rare, try medium once, and yeah. it'll melt in your mouth. Now, that, that, that's my contribution to the man. I, I try to leave you guys <laughs> alone unless you guys need help. But man, uh, I, I really appreciate. I mean, all the guys, obviously, I'm talking to you, but you're almost like a delegate for all the managers that have come through there. And people don't understand the work you guys put in and how hard it is. And whenever the, the, the old heads rag on how kids don't want to work anymore, I'm like, well, your experience is very different than mine because the young guys I've been around, man, they hustle. All you guys, yourself, Stephen Brown, Mike, you know, Katimer, Julian, all the guys, you know, Jeff Zafraga. You know, even I'll, I'll throw you know, he's a little older, but I'll throw Hoot in there too, John Van Houten, who's, yeah. you know, the, the director of basketball. I mean, you guys do a tremendous amount of work. And again, we're not at a big time program. So if people understood, like you guys really make that that program run in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. So we got a lot of good mentors and leadership above, you know, above me. Set the example. I just follow suit. The great Isaac Jacob, he is a son of Carson. Uh, grew up, he was, you know, I used to call you baby Kobe, I remember, when, when uh, they used to make those shoot shots with uh, Coach Theus. But yeah. the assistant video coordinator for the Sacramento Kings on his way to a pretty fine career in the NBA. I wish you luck. Um, I, I'm not going to ask you for Laker tickets. Maybe I'll ask you when they play the Clippers. I just want to come say what up to you and watch a little NBA basketball. So I'll bother you then. I got you. I, hopefully, once we get the fans back in the building, hopefully soon. Yeah, yeah. Isaac, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it.